Welcome back to America's leading higher education podcast network, the EdUp Experience, where we make education your business. This is EdUp EdTech, dedicated to interviewing leaders at the front end of technology and innovation in education, hosted by the amazing, the outstanding, the incredible Holly Owens. Now let's get to it and hear from your host, Holly Owens. Hello, everyone, and welcome to another amazing episode of EdUp EdTech. I'm really excited for you to meet the guests that I have today. His name is Eric Offgang, and he's a senior writer at Tech and Learning. Eric, welcome to the show. Thank you for having me. I'm really excited because we're going to talk about people behind the resources that share all these great articles about pedagogy, ed tech tools, what to do in your classroom, teacher burnout, all the different things that we need to know about, especially in a post-COVID world. So I'm excited to get into that talk with you. But first, tell us about your journey into this writer space and with tech and learning. How did you get here? All right. Well, thanks again for having me. Yeah, so I started out, you know, my background is in a combination sort of a journalism and the education world. So I started as a journalist where I live in Connecticut. I got my master's, my MFA in professional and creative writing. So I have a couple of books out, um, a couple of nonfiction books out. And um, I became the uh, senior writer at Connecticut Magazine. And and in that role, I worked with a great editor by the name of Ray Bendisi, who I worked with him as a freelancer. Then I got hired there full time. And a little bit after I got hired, a year or so, he left to um, start writing about the education world. And eventually he ended up at uh, Tech and Learning. And I had covered education as part of what I did. It wasn't the main focus of what I, I was writing about. I, I would write a lot about health and history and, and food and um, beverage. But I also, as a sideline to that, was working as an adjunct teaching at Western Connecticut State University in their MFA program, as well as a couple other um, colleges here and there. So I was always very passionate about education, always interested in, um, you know, from the health writing and also history writing I did, looking at kind of um, myths and misconceptions and really finding, you know, evidence-based practice and documentation and, you know, really interested in how we know what we know and how we can share that with others in, in, in the most efficient way. Um, so jump to last, uh, a year ago last summer, so summer of 2020, um, I was at home still working at Connecticut Magazine, but having kind of nothing to do on the weekends and, and, and starting to do more freelance. Oh, um, Eric, I want your life. <laughs> 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 it was it was that weird like very busy nothing to do kind of where it was just like I was like I can't go anywhere see anyone right um, you know so I may COVID, as well because of COVID so it's like oh no and now yeah yeah that's yeah awesome. <laughs> yeah so I may as well you know might try as well to, fill it up with something yeah make some extra money get, get some opportunities and and so I started freelancing for tech and learning um you know, really connected well, I think, with the audience and the team and uh, the style of writing, which was very, um, which I liked, which was very audience-based, really what the reader needed, you know, really service journalism in that way of helping teachers connect with the resources they needed. Um, and, 
from that, you know, there, there, there was just a, an opportunity to jump on full time. Um, a couple months later, you know, they, were, they, they posted a job, I interviewed it for it. Um, and it was a nice melding of my two worlds because I had always been, you know, passionate about education, working as a teacher um, and interested in the things, you know, interested in using tech in creative ways, in being smart about how I taught. Um, but, you know, not having the time or the opportunity to kind of go, oh, I read this interesting article by so-and-so. I'm going to call him up and, you know, see what he thinks about um, the best way we should be using Zoom in the pandemic or see what you know, she thinks about, um, you know, this practice in the classroom. So it was a nice, nice opportunity for me in that way where, you know, I, I could kind of use it in, in sort of, sort of selfishly where if I had a question about teaching practices, I'm like, okay, I could go find the world's leading authority and uh, ask them about that. And um, a, a, as part of a larger story. Yeah, that's great. And I love that your journey includes, so you're, you're marrying the two together, like you're an adjunct, you love writing, and now you're a tech and learning. So you're getting the best of both worlds and putting that into your job, which is everybody's dream is to have their passions come together in the role that they're in. And I'll just say that I discovered tech and learning just looking for some like ed tech tools and resources. Um, you know, I consider myself to be, you know, very much into the ed tech game and knowing a lot about the tools, but I was also looking for things that I hadn't discovered, um, like what was out there in terms of the resources. So that's when I found tech and learning and then found you and your article. And I, I love the fact that there's so many different avenues that you can take down with tech and learning because you not only offer um, like you talk about like classroom tools, higher ed, you know, professional development resources and all that. And you're just, you can subscribe to it and it's free. So it's really a great resources um, for faculty and educators at all levels of education. Yeah, well, thank you very much. We, we love to hear that. And um, yeah, no, it, 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 it's um, been, a, I'm still new to the company. It feels like a real honor to be here. It's, uh, I'm not just saying that, um, but it's, you know, it, it's a really, um, really passionate team. Christine Weiser, our brand, brand manager, kind of our head editor, and then Ray Bendici, our managing editor, as well as a, a team of some really talented freelance writers. So we, we do try to cover, you know, we do some news, we do some, um, higher ed, we do a lot of K-12, and we try to have a mix of what really, you know, educators are looking for, which is, you know, tools they can use. We get that they're busy, so we try to keep it on the, um, on the shorter side, although I sometimes struggle a little bit with that myself, but um, I, I understand why we do it. So yeah, I'm, ha I'm happy to be here. Yeah, and I love your list, like you're just your list of, of tech tools that just because people don't have a lot of time, like you said, to go out and like, like search these things. Like we want to list, we want to click on the website. We want to get an idea of how to use the tool and see if it's something that's going to be applicable to us. Um, so with that being said, and you being in this space and now with tech and learning, but also being a faculty member, how would you personally define educational technology? So I, I, it's funny because, you know, when, I, I first 
took the job, you know, I, I would always think about, you know, I need a tech angle for this, or I need, and the more I did it, you know, I'm feeling like that today, you can't really write about education without writing about technology. Um, there is some, or, or at least should be some component of technology in almost every class and classroom. So to me, ed tech is just ways to use technology to make both students' lives easier and teachers' lives easier slash better. Um, it helps them learn more. Um, I personally, you know, as an educator, I, I use sort of almost what I, I see as kind of that old, um, I believe it's Apple kind of approach where the idea was that the technology would disappear if you're doing it right. That if, if, if you're doing it right, you're not really thinking about the tech. You're thinking about whatever you're, you're learning. You're speaking my language. <laughs> I love a, I love an Apple product. And you're, I love that that theory behind like if it, you're doing it right the technology disappears it kind of just it gets ingrained in what you know if you're speaking it from an educational perspective of how it fits into the pedagogy nicely yeah yeah so it, sh it should be seamless it shouldn't be something that um you know the students necessarily feel like they're in a in a high-tech classroom depending on the subject I'm, I'm speaking you know in in terms of uh the writing and journalism classes but it is a way you know when used effectively it's a, you know it's a way to engage students it's a way to let them know if they're getting a good grade and give them feedback uh quicker you know it was something that um very early on because when i started teaching um about a decade ago a little less you know about 2012 um, you know, I remember I would have the papers be handed in in person. So I'd get a stack of 40 papers that I have to carry. And I swear my dog, um, who was a puppy at the time, ate, um, got your into your dog the ate your homework. The, my dog <laughs> ate the, my students' homework. Oh um, my gosh. <laughs> and it was like one of those things where, you know, it wasn't totally destroyed, but there was actually bite marks. So I had to announce that to the class. You know, you're a first time teacher, nervous. And I was just like, after that, I was like, I am never being that lazy that I don't learn how to set up my um, LMS from the beginning. And all my, my submissions are gonna be, gonna be through that LMS. And it wasn't just laziness, it was that the, you know, the course I was teaching at the time, we, it, I was actually teaching as a graduate assistant and it was set up for um, physical um, submissions of papers. But, th but that was an example where it was, you know, one of those things where it might take a little bit more time on the front end, setting up the course to have them all submit um, online, but it really saves a lot of time on the back end. And I found that's often really true um, with a lot of technology that it, it might take, there might be a little bit of a learning curve for you, there might be a little bit of a learning curve for the students, but ultimately, it makes things uh, more seamless for you and more more seamless for them. Absolutely. And you said it in such a such a great way. I think that that fear and you're you know you're talking about laziness, but also there's a fear and that resistance of like learning something new that I experienced. And like you, I've been teaching um I was a high school teacher and I've been teaching online for about 10 years. And I think if I wasn't who I am and just assimilating and welcoming the technology into my life, I can see from an empathetic perspective how it would be difficult to set something up in LMS when you're so used to collecting those papers and putting your marks on there. It's really a challenge to like 
let the let the computer take over and let the let things be a little bit automated but like you're saying it does take some time to set it up and put some thought into it but on the back end you're streamlining things and you're saving time yeah and, and that's always the thing you know that, that there's that, that it's all it's kind of that what will students get out of it how much time will it take them to learn this new system how much time will it take me and you know even putting the um, papers um, online it might it might take a little bit of extra time reading each paper because you're able to type more um, and provide more notes to students. And so even though it takes a little bit of extra time for a student, I think in that instance, that's worth it because um, A, they don't have to try to um, decipher my handwriting and B, I'm able to give them a lot more um, you know, specific information and feedback on the paper. Um, so that's kind of a, obviously a really basic ed tech use, but I, 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 do, um, I do use technology in, in, in other ways as well, I'm, especially since I think the, um, the pandemic, you know, really inspired me to employ more active strategies in my classrooms and more, um, you know, more technology, I think always in, in that sort of smart way where you're um, really keeping in mind the student experience and um, yeah, serving them. Yeah, that's great. And I'm so glad that you were able to use technology in that way, especially during the pandemic. Now we want to talk a little bit about what you what tech and learning is like the you know, it's a resource you have in the magazine, the articles that you share out. But what are some of the things that give us an idea of uh, to the audience, like if they've never went to tech and learning site, what kinds of resources and articles and things are they going to be experiencing by either subscribing, you know, looking through um, your website? Yeah, so Tech and Learning Magazine, it's, you know, the website's techlearning.com. And it's, it's a magazine that's been around for several decades. And it's really dedicated to um, helping educators do what they do and covering sort of the ideas, I think we say in the tagline, the ideas that transform education. So new research, new tools for educators, um, new, you know, we do a couple times a week, a sort of a, a feature that's kind of, um, you know, what is blank ed tech tool and how can teachers use it? So it'll give you a quick overview of that. We also cover new research. So I'll write about um, new studies in ways that, you know, maybe people are learning from video, um, or things like that. So it's just, we, we aim to give you kind of a whole, um, you know, the idea we, we do it as much as we can as we try to put ourselves in the shoes of our, our typical educator reader and what they might be looking for. Um, you know, so there's sometimes it's, it's, um, simple things. Like I just wrote a feature on, um, you know, free resources for teaching Halloween, um, in yeah, your class or exercises. That. Yeah. yeah. Um, and it's just, again, it comes back to that thing of, you know, I spent a day looking through different resources and, and, and putting them all in one place. So it's a way that if you're, if you, you want to do something for Halloween, um, here are a couple ideas and, and maybe it'll inspire you to do, um, to use it kind of as a starting off point. Um, so we had those. We also do a tremendous, you know, we do a number of events. We're doing um, a series of regional summits. We have a, a weekly webinar series. Um, we're just getting back to in-person events actually this week 
in Chicago. I will not be there, but members of the, the team will be there. So we do, you know, we have a, a lot of different, um, different material that we offer. Um, our newsletter comes out three times a week, and that gives a rundown of both our news stories as well as just education news in general. Um, so it's a good resource to stay on top of what is happening in the field. Absolutely, and I, I, I love all your resources that are so targeted and on point, like you said, the Halloween stuff. Oh, and I'm glad to hear that you're expanding. So the reason I, one of the reasons I like tech and learning is because you're expanding beyond just sharing the information. Like you said, you're having webinars, you're having in-person events. So it really um, puts the application of what you read in your articles into place. So that's, that's amazing. Um, so let's talk a little bit about, I, I might be putting you on the spot here, Eric, and I don't want to do that, <laughs> but I want to talk about what are some of your favorite topics to write about um, in terms of, you know, what you do at Tech and Learn. So what are some of your favorite, like, articles you've written or, or topics that you've explored? So I'm, I'm really interested in, um, you know, how we learn and how we could do that more efficiently. So um and, and more equitably and, and reach more students in, in a classroom. Cause there's that thing, you know, and I've experienced, I'm sure you have experienced it where, you know, you, you, you go into a, a classroom and you're like, okay, these five students, they're, they're really getting it. They're doing great. These students here, maybe they need some help, but, but there's always, you know, there's students that maybe you can't reach or, or don't respond as well. And you have to work harder and think creatively to reach. So I'm, I'm interested in, in those type of stories. Um, some examples, um, you know, I'm, I'm kind of, um, you know, I, I like behavior science a lot um, and, and, you know, research-based practices. So um, I wrote a story a couple months back about how um, in a review of studies, uh, a researcher in Australia found that students learned better by video lecture than the traditional in-person lecture, which was a you know a surprise I, I think to the team there. It was a surprise to me, but you know part of the reason was they could rewind and pause and play back, and, and it um, you know was was a really good way for them to um, have the the material at their fingertips. Um, so, so that was interesting. I'm, you know, I'm interested in a lot of the, um, you know, thinking that has sort of come out of COVID. Like one, um, you know, I talked with Dr. Joseph Allen at Harvard about how uh, ventilation in schools, it's, it's not just important for um, decreasing the spread of COVID and other respiratory viruses, but it, it actually, you know, they've done studies and, and students perform better, adults perform better when there is better ventilation, when it's a, you know, a, a green building. Um, and so just things of that nature just really fascinate me. If, if um, you know, I'm, I'm interested in flipped learning, although, and I've done some partial flipping in my classes. I'm not fully taking the plunge yet, but um, I, I'd like to. Yeah, it sounds like you're, uh, and I love it that you're covering just more than what it's not just tech and stuff, it's, it's things that impact the environment that the students are in as well. Um, and everything that has to do with COVID. And that's actually my next question is, you know, I know you came into the company a little bit after COVID started. So how did thing, how were things impacted? Did any of your like cadences and releasing things change for tech and learning? So how did you deal with like, I, I think 
one of the things I always wondered about is how you release resources. Like you have this huge, you put this huge net into the ocean and I'm envisioning something like, um, what's that show called on discovery where they go and catch all the crabs. Um, <laughs> but like you get all the, you get all these fish or crabs in the net and you're trying to release it at a time that's purposeful and prominent and important to the user without releasing everything at once. Cause then you create that clutter. So what did you guys kind of strategize and do in the background uh, when COVID hit? Yeah. So, they, you know, some of it was before, you know, the, the initial strategy was before I got there, but I think there was a, a real sense though, just from talking with my coworkers, um, I think they realized uh, quickly and, and Christine, um, who is our kind of our, our, our our leader and head editor is, is really great um, and really smart, really um, understand. And I think saw early on that, you know, we needed to, that educators were gonna need a lot of online resources, that they were exploring this new world. So we put out, um, they put out a, re a remote learning playbook, um, I think in April, it might've even been in March, you know, really early on um, that really talked about, you know, best practices for remote learning and do's and don'ts. Um, and you know, really pivoted the uh, online event, events online, and did a really great job with that, with events with you know thousands of people, um, and just really. Then it became, as the pandemic wore on, it became finding that right balance of, you know, striking, you know, of COVID-related content and remote-related content versus sort of content that was could be used at any time. Um, so, you know, we do a lot of, we, we hear feedback from the audience. We see um, what um, educators respond to and, and, and try to do more of that. If, if we know that, um, you know, a, a certain type of story does well, we will do um, more of that type of story. Um, it's, you know, so in, in that way, it, it, it's kind of using, you know, letting the, the readership kind of guide us um a bit yeah definitely yeah that's yeah i was just because i i i myself struggled with you know i was working in an online education department i'm like we can't spit everything out all at once because <laughs> yeah, people yeah, yeah. are just gonna get completely overwhelmed although that was the like the sense was there that we just need to get it out as quick as possible but you have to like you said you have to be very strategic about what you're releasing and then listen to what your audience needs are and then kind of tailor your content to that. It's kind of like with students in the learning environment. Yeah, yeah, you have to listen. yeah, you have to listen to their needs and you may have one way you think it's supposed to be, but they might have a completely different way. So you have to find a way through that challenge and create a lesson that is meaningful to everybody. Um, so I'm glad to hear that you were able to um, listen to the consumer and then provide the resources that they so needed during that time. Yeah, and we have, you know, we have advisory boards, we, you know, at our events, we'll meet with educators. So we were, you know, hearing a lot of things about, you know, you know, what their concerns were, what they were struggling with, and that, and that you know, let us, uh, um, you know, that, that helped guide us as well. Great. So we have, we're coming to the end of the episode here. Um, and I've loved everything you've said so far, but I have two final questions for you. I want to know if there's anything else you'd like to share. Do we miss anything? And also, I want to know from your perspective and your experiences, 
what does the future of like education and technology in general look like? Yeah, so, you know, as, as far as the future of education and technology, it, it's, it's such a strange time because it, it's tough to predict. Um, you know, I, I think in, you know, there was a lot of talk last year how, you know, it was going to be, um, you know, there was going to be a lot more hybrid and blended options and um, education was going to be dramatically different. And I, I don't think that's fully happened. Um, you know, I think that a lot of colleges return to in-person, a lot of, you know, K-12 certainly, um, you know, I think for good reason wanted to get back in person. But I think what you're seeing is a lot more openness to try new things from educators. So I think that's, they're more open to technology. I think probably some people are, you know, rightly saying, oh, well, I, I was so worried about using Zoom or another video platform, but it's actually not that hard. Um, and maybe th this other um, tech tool isn't that hard. So I, I think you're seeing more of that. Um, I also think you are seeing in, in higher education, I'm actually working on a story now about how, you know, certain, certain students or programs are finding um, this online. You know, I, I know for some schools, master's programs, um, are becoming a lot more popular online because I think master's students don't maybe care as much about the college experience or have other things in their life, such as a job that they need to balance. So the online um, option is very appealing to them. So I think that's gonna grow. I think also um, at the undergraduate level, you know, a lot, you're seeing a lot of students um, open to taking, um, you know, taking at least a course online. Um, you know, the, definitely the online education is up, even if you're attending some of your classes in person. So I, so I don't see, I think those uh, trends are going to continue. I hope also that that kind of spirit of innovation um, continues and that, that idea of, you know, you know student-centered learning. Um, I know speaking for myself, um, you know, I really thought a lot about, you know, what when you're struggling to connect with student, students, you think about you know what, how you can maximize that time, what you have a value to offer to the student. And it really, for me, was that kind of that individualized feedback. Um, so designing my classes around prioritizing that. And, and, and for writing in particular, it, you know, a lot of times um, problems of students or challenges a student's, student might be having are so individual based. So it really can, you can speak in general terms about, you know, what makes a good story. But until I start, you know, really looking at each student's work, it's, um, it's, it's hard to really help them. So um, yeah, that's kind of a long way of saying, um, I don't know, but I, I hope there's more innovation. In yeah, the let's hope that people still stay open after COVID, like they don't shut shut down again and just close off all those opportunities and you sound like an instructional designer <laughs> when you say <laughs> this, all this about um you know the student focus and the student centered and being open and you're really considering and reflecting upon the learning experiences and what feedback that you're offering and you design your teaching around that as a priority you sound you sound like an instructional designer it's great <laughs> and i would you, say <laughs> i would say a lot of faculty members and even educators have that um they have characteristics and in their jobs you know of instructional design it's, it's everywhere it really really is well eric we've come to the end of the episode and i just want to say thank you so much for your time and sharing what you do at tech and learning and about your experiences in education 
um, and encourage everybody to go out and subscribe to Tech and Learning. Um, all the information will be in the show notes of where to do that. And you can also follow Eric on LinkedIn and we'll post everywhere you can find that information um, in the show notes. So thank you, Eric. Well, thank you for having me. Real pleasure to talk with you. You too. Okay, take care. You too. You've been listening to another episode of EdUp EdTech with your host, Holly Owens. You can follow Holly on LinkedIn. You can also visit her website at jollyholly.me to find out more about what she's up to. Please head to Apple or wherever you download your podcast content and leave us a rating, review, and please subscribe to be notified of future episodes. This has been another incredible episode of EdUp EdTech with your host, Holly Owens.